Welcome to season two of My Ministry Breakthrough, brought to you by Oxano. I'm your host, Brian Rose. This podcast is all about church leaders telling unfiltered stories of impact in the local church. We're here to celebrate and share those life-changing moments when the fog of ministry chaos clears and breakthrough clarity happens. There is a massive problem that pastors are unaware of. Total giving is flatlined or a little bit up, but the number of givers is on dramatic decline. So we are yeah. losing. We that. also see that in attendance, right? That's attendance right. is going down, but giving is staying That's the right. same. That's right. And, and major denominations us, yeah. are seeing it's not just yeah. us. So if the only measurement is how's the offering to budget every year and we're not understanding we are losing givers. And look, the baby boomer generation is 10 million larger than the, 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 the what, Gen X? Yeah. The right behind yeah. them. The, the slackers. Yeah. Right, right behind him. We're, we're, we are going to lose 10 million. You can't stop that from happening. You don't know it's You're happening. You're saying there's a cliff. It is an absolute measurable cliff that is not going to be avoided. How is your giving, Pastor? I'm not talking about your church giving yet, but how is your giving? You see, a church will never be more generous than its pastor. And just like giving is often the last heart area of obedience in someone's life as they learn to follow Christ, leading your congregation towards generosity is often last on the mind of the pastor. It's complicated. It's a challenging topic. We've been told not to talk about it. And as my guest and I talk about it today, we've never really been trained in it. That guest is the director of Lifeway Generosity, Todd McMitchin. Todd is passionate about discipling generosity and has more than 20 years of experience leading capital campaigns and other generosity initiatives in the local church. We spend a few minutes in this episode up front unpacking a new free resource from Lifeway Generosity. It's designed with local church pastors in mind and it's geared to help cultivate deeper levels of generosity in your church. Then we talk about why talking about generosity and leading generosity is so important and what to do about it. And oh yeah, if you're leading a declining in attendance but steadily giving church right now, again, that's a a church where uh, attendance is starting to drop but giving staying the same and so everything feels okay, you need to know a cliff is coming and you're probably not prepared. So lean in and listen up to My Ministry Breakthrough with Todd McMitchin, Director of Lifeway Generosity in Nashville, Tennessee. Thanks for being a part of My Ministry Breakthrough podcast. We're sitting in here again. I was on uh, your Lifeway Generosity podcast uh, probably last spring, was it? Yes, it was. was I think we launched it in the summer with our uh, Generospitality ebook, which was a hit. that's right. The Generospitality ebook. All right, well, tell us about Lifeway Generosity. Like, unpack that for the average listener out there who, you know, is like, okay, what does that mean? So, what we've done is we've created a one stop shop for a pastor to get all of his generosity resources in one place. It's really anchored by the leading digital giving platform in the marketplace that has six different channels of digital giving for the modern giver. Okay. And then a like, ta- what are those channels? All right. So most churches, seventy-four uh, percent of churches have online giving, uh-huh. but they only receive about fifteen percent of their income, so not going so well. And we can talk about that maybe later today. But most are familiar with online giving. 
But uh, the modern giver can give via text, can give via app, and we have a Generosity by Lifeway app that you can download in the stores. Uh, you can actually event is a big, big deal, right? So you think about 5K events, you think about you know, fundraise like signups and chili cookoffs. Absolutely, you can use it for Wednesday night dinner with yeah. no tickets, where where no money is needed, or it can be for a women's ministry event, or it can be for you know a missions fundraising five k you're doing in the city. So event planning so has, puts it all in one place. All in one place. Actually, is connected to Google Calendar and Google Maps. Can have sponsorship. Is connected to all your social media, so people can come and register, but then promote it out. So it's it's an outreach tool. Uh, not just an event management tool. And so then we have uh, non-cash giving, which is really fun. So Non-cash, non-cash giving. Right. Like so people, somebody can take a picture of their boat and put it on the app? Wait, or? don't even have to take a picture. What? Yeah, you can actually, you can go click on boat and you can it'll ask you for the make model, all of that kind of information. We'll receive that information and then we'll get in contact with the giver and we'll let them know how we're going to process the gift, which means we're going to liquidate it on their behalf and liquidate it on behalf of the church and then give the proceeds to the local church that they've designated as the benefactor of, of their gift. So people have been giving non-cash gifts for a long time. Like we do yeah. it every single year. We clean out our closet. <clears throat> Excuse me. We take it down to the, to the local nonprofit. But you can actually give gifts of value, and that's been happening in the Bible for a long time. Like Barnes gave, gave a piece of property in the book right. of Acts. So 90% of our assets, 90% of our wealth is contained in our assets, not in liquid cash. Mm. So we're seeing that vehicle. And then crowdfunding, right? Crowdfunding is new over the last 10 years. You watch your friends scroll through Facebook all the time, raising right. fun and raising funds. You've heard of GoFundMe. And uh, so we actually have that crowdfunding piece that the church can own. So it's a very creative way to help with designated causes. And also, it's completely social media, so you can take you can take giving viral, which is really fun because now you're introducing your vision to people you don't even know before they come to your church, and they're learning what your church is doing for causes like disaster relief or for a local food bank that you're helping raise resources for during the winter season. So through the lens of giving, really, you're able to speak about who you are as a church and really share the vision there. Um, if I'm a pastor listening, like— you know, that sounds really good, but it also sounds really complicated. Right. Right. Even though it, it, a one-stop shop feels really good, it feels like, oh, do I really need that? You know, do we really have that many people giving boats? You know, some of those things. What's been your experience as far as the the, the folks who are engaging around this? What's What's been some of the stories of, of why it was really successful for them? Right. So it does sound complicated, but it's really not. So the back office is all 100% customizable. So you, you literally click the X box if you don't want to do something. Okay. It's that yeah, simple. Yeah. I mean, it's really, yeah. really simple. And you can use the features you want and those you don't want. You just, you just click X. Really easy. And so like how many non-cash gifts does it take to make it worth it? Like one car a year? Yeah. Right, so we 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 liquidated a high mileage older car on behalf of a local church within days and gave them several thousand dollars. Huh. You would have looked at it with your eyes and you would have saw it out there in the parking lot. You would have said, "Man, that's an eyesore. Why? Why? Now I got to deal with this." Yeah, no, yeah. we turned it into, into cash. So the pastors, the teams at the church, they're not dealing with that at all. None. They're just they're just you know making it available to their people and then receiving. That's the right. benefits on the backside and internal in-house within the app and within Lifeway Generosity, you're taking care of all the, all the sales it. and the transfers of title on all the things all that have it. to So happen. look, if we've got to trailer the car from Miami to Alaska, that's on us. Yeah. 
So we've liquidated some pretty fun things. So like, like what's the craziest thing you've liquidated? Oh, cra- like an al- alpaca? An alpaca. Yeah. Like, like a, a live animal? A live animal. So look, you think a, a small business owner that is dealing with hay or grain or yeah. wild animals, not wild animals, but live animals. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Right. So they have to pay taxes on business surplus. They're talking to their accountants and lawyers on how to limit their tax liability. But the church isn't in that conversation. Their universities are in like it. they've got one alpaca too many. They've they've got they've got to reduce their liability. Sure, so so we've been able to do that. But it's other items as well, like gift cards. You wouldn't think of this, but there's actually a yeah. liquidation market for you get a Best Buy gift card and you don't have one by you. We can actually turn that into revenue for right. the local church, sports memorabilia, Civil War memorabilia, art. I mean, anything that has value that's that we can liquidate, we will do. Why is that? Why is that? Passion. I sense passion coming across. I think that our listeners can hear it. Why is is this just so much of passion for you? All right. So if you step back and you and you just ask yourself, what does a generous human being look like? Forget being a disciple. What does a generous human being look like? They are kind, they are sensitive, they are thoughtful, they are responsive, they are ready. I mean, there's a whole lot of great words around that. That's an exercise I do all the time with pastors. Say, all right, tell me what a generous person looks like. They name it. And this is what I say. What would it be like to have a church filled with people like that? Hmm. Like, how would your greeter team improve? If How would your preschool ministry improve? So when you think about the power of what a transformed, generous heart does for the entire church, it is transforming for ministry. Right. It's not just about the revenue that it creates, which it does create. It's about everything else. It is the resource waterfall. And that's what pastors don't understand. But when we help them understand that, it unleashes their entire team down this path. What's been a what's been a highlight moment in the last few months as you guys have been leading and and seeing these these moments happen? Pastors calling me, telling me that they can't believe what they're watching happening with their own eyes. So like they'll call me and they'll download one of our free tools that we give out to all of our platform. And we're actually, they're actually walking into their budget meeting with their finance team. And they have this tool on how to evaluate the budget based on vision advancement or not. Mm. And they like can't believe they get to have that conversation. They've wanted to have it for years, but they're yeah. terrified to have it. But we created a tool that says, you know, resource management is a big yeah. deal. Or it's the pastor that called me and said, you know what? We had a need. We had a flood, had a need. I had a vision for it. Grabbed some of our coaching tips on it, uses our platform. They doubled their gift receipts, all because of just a few little coaching tips, not rocket science, but things that we just happened to know that we put out there for free, doubled what their goal was as a result of it. The other pastor who calls, it says they're, they're giving went up 30% immediately because of mobile giving, right? Hmm. So you think about online giving. I mean, how many of us go home at night and sit on our desktops? We don't. It doesn't matter what generation you are. Every generation has a smartphone. We sit on our phones. Yeah. So turning every smartphone into an offering plate has been really fun. Turning every smartphone into an offering plate. Right. So, Love that. Yep. So on, think of Venmo. Yeah. Think of Uber. Yeah. Think of Lyft. About three clicks, and you can make a gift on our on our on our app, and that includes you can give a car, you can give non cash gifts in our app, you can yeah. give a, a one time gift, you can give a recurring gift, you can give to multiple designated funds in one gift. 
which is sounds like it should be easy to do. Right. But most giving platforms don't allow you to give more. Don't allow you like to say, to I want to give $100 gifts. to the church and I want to give 25 here, 25 no, here. Can't, you have to make multiple different Isn't entries. is a good thing on some levels? Like, we, you know, not designating the gift to the to the knitting ministry? Well, I, I, you have to have a strategy, right? Okay, so yeah. here's, what, here's what I would say. I've been in the capital campaign business for many, many years. The one thing we learned from capital campaigns is people are more than willing to give above and beyond dollars. Hmm. That's, so how do we capture that every single week? Like yeah. people are giving above and beyond dollars every single week to somebody. So we help a church take those designated causes that you get once every three years and turn them into overflowing giving every single week. You and I have had this conversation before offline mm-hmm. about just how the culture around, outside the church, around giving, around generosity has completely changed from 20 years ago. So Mm -hmm. 20 years ago as leaders in the church, sometimes we were like afraid to talk about money because, you know, that's a personal private matter, some of those things. And now you can't go anywhere or even scroll through Facebook, as you mentioned, without somebody asking me for some kind of money. Go fund me for their birthday, for something else. Um, So, you know, how are you seeing pastors making that shift from, oh, we shouldn't talk about money to, it's okay to talk about money. And even it's okay to talk about people who don't go to my church about money. Because, you know, used to be that was like, don't ever talk to your first time guests about money. Right. So we go back to the 1980s and and the younger pastors don't realize what happened back in the 1980s. So, right, we lived through Jim and Tammy Baker Mm -hmm. and PTL and the fall of many nationally known ministries. And it put money topic in church in silence mode. For obvious reasons. Yeah. And we've stuck there. We've stuck there. The church in general. The church in general has the, stuck there, the right? Because New Testament, you know, evangelical Western church has gotten stuck. In. Got stuck there. Now, now the marketplace went on. Now the marketplace changed with 9-11, right? 9-11, we had this tragedy in our country, and all of a sudden there's need everywhere around us. Volunteerism yeah. is going through the roof, generosity is going through the roof. Mm. So that's why today you walk into Starbucks or your grocery store or Walmart and you check out. Everybody wants me to round up. Or that's right. Absolutely. Or, yeah, but yeah. in church, we're still being quiet about it. Right. So even watch the airways like we've seen extreme home makeover, entire TV show that's made a ton of money. Yeah. Yeah. Built on the philanthropic spirit. Yeah. So the church is behind where the marketplace is. So here's something that's really important about the next generation. We're all concerned about millennials. Millennials are very generous. And they are social, like, you know. Socially generous? Is that a way to say it? That's why you see them socializing it on their Facebook. That's why they're lining up to go, you know, build a habitat Mm -hmm. for humanity with their work people. That's why they're going to the Chili Cook-Off and sponsoring a table together. So if we're going to catch up, we have got to be more confident in socializing generosity. So let me put it into your space, Brian, for guest experiences for just a second. So if we're if a, if a millennial is in worship on Sunday morning and you're welcoming them and you go through the entire worship service and you've not told them the power of a dollar given to your local church, the difference it's making in the city, community, state, and world, you're turning them off. Yeah. So if we're going to be silent about it and we're really concerned about next generation giving, we have to understand they're generous and they're social about it. And so we have to be able to tell them what problem are we solving with the money that's given to our local church? Yeah, yeah. We coach we coach our teams we work with through vision framing process to really tie back 
whatever that mission measure, usually there's one anchored That's around right. generosity, or maybe there's a, a, court, a cultural value around generosity, one of those two. Anytime we're about to pass the plate, we say, hey, listen, uh, anchor it in, in, in what you can become by giving and anchor it with a story of what the giving is doing. That's right. Uh, whether it's internally the church or externally. So I love when I'm in a worship service and, I, and I'm seeing that offering plate about to go, but I'm also looking at pictures from uh, a prison ministry and people being baptized, or I'm, see, I'm hearing about what happened at student camp. And, oh yeah, by the way, your giving is making a difference there. Is, it, is, is some of the tension that we, we give differently generation to generation? Like it's not, a, you know, we don't have a younger generations walking in the door thinking, 10% off the top going, right. or, or are they? And, right. You know. So it's really interesting. If you do the study on different generations, mm-hmm. all generations are giving in all six ways. So yeah. like I, I could lay out what the baby boomer generation who's in their 60s and 70s, they're, they're giving socially. They're giving yeah. virally just like everybody else. The percentages are a little different, but every generation is using all six channels. But, but the difference is, is that the millennials, they don't see different types of generosity differently. So serving generosity is equal to financial generosity. Mm-hmm. Signing up to run a 5K run that's supporting the Humane Society is the same as giving a tithe to the local church. So they don't see any difference in that. So if when they arrive at church and we have a negative posture towards this great highly held value of generosity. Uh, external to writing a check and putting the Yeah, yeah, plan. yeah. So if we're not cheering it, cheering it on, then we're really hurting ourselves with this next generation. They are crazy generous. 84% of millennials, on average, are giving to nonprofits. And when they give, they give almost $500 annually, and they give to three different nonprofits. They are generous. They're, they're just not giving in ways the church has readily acknowledged and accepted easily. So what do we need to do to acknowledge that? What do we need to do to kind of turn the tide? I mean, is it, do we got we to gotta coach them up and make sure they understand this whole thing is, you know, Church first, then sign up yeah, for the five k. Or giving doesn't count if you're just serving. You got to you got to put money. I mean, because I, I think there's some people out there that are probably be like, well, we got to fix that. Yeah, is that a problem to be fixed, or is it a tension to be managed? Yeah, here's the starting point for it. Every generous church we find is led by a generous pastor hmm. across the board. Step one: pastor, take thirty days when you have your quiet time and study pastor passages with generosity in them in journal about it. So we need to we need to get in on the value of generosity as opposed to what we've been trained in as pastors which is budget giving, tithing yeah. and I'm for yeah. tithing, right? Yeah. I'm an above and yeah. beyond giver, I get it. Yeah. <clears throat> but we're very transactional. So even if you go to any church's online giving experience the minute they click give, yeah. it bumps you outside to a yeah. credit card transaction yeah. form. There's no there's no experience for the giver. So, mm-hmm. right, uh, you're a big champion of a guest's experience, yeah. Yeah. right? So our platform is built for the giver experience. It prioritizes how a giver thinks and feels from beginning all the way through, which is very different than just making sure we can transact a credit card yeah. in the back office. Yeah, That's night and day difference. What's, so I would, what's just one little nuance of that that's a difference that somebody might see? If they're listening right now and trying to picture in their head, okay, so it's a giving experience. Give me a little nuance. What's something that somebody would say, oh, that's a little different. Right, so... If, if pastors are aware of how their online giving is set up, mm. they're probably— They're not, by the way. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah it's always yeah. fun when I show yeah, them. Yeah. They're, like, shocked. Yeah. So I put, put this eye on of a first-time giver, and you click the word 
give on your page and yeah. it bumps you out to a, a archaic looking non-customizable credit card transaction form or even yeah. worse it bumps you out to a login screen that you can't customize and yeah. it's not in your and it's like this isn't lyft this isn't yeah. uber yeah. this isn't even it's not integrated into the no. whole thing i don't have to leave lyft app to go pay somebody else and do no so ours yeah. you click and it stays inside the mm. church website you can customize every color you can put goal meters in there that are connected to social media. You can embed testimony videos. Mm. You can embed testimony words of another giver. You can have a you can have an impact meter that showed, for instance, if you were going to need to raise some money for scholarships for youth camp. You could have an embed page on the youth page that's solely for youth camp, and it would have a meter, a picture, a little image on there that said if you gave $250, you were paying for one scholarship. And it would automatically adjust. If you paid 100, it would show you what percentage of a camp and have an image that rewards the giver. So it's yeah. it's when you see it visually, it's like, oh, why, why, have we, why have we not been doing this all along? Yeah. Why haven't we been doing this all along? <laughs> well, time? That's, be, that's because, you know, we've been really reliant on banks and financial institutions to provide us credit card forms. Yeah. There's not been someone in the space, nonprofit, lifeway, passionate about the church, understands the church, thinks with a discipleship transforming mindset let's let's put it in play so that's really the that's really one of the primary advantages to this avenue through lifeway generosity is you're approaching it to help churches make right. disciples not just help churches raise money right so when you go back to one stop shop right so we've mm-hmm. talked about the digital giving platform then what we have is over 100 hours of free training video training from generosity professionals that lead with a transformation mindset, not with transaction. Doesn't cost you anything. You can put your finance team in the room and you can watch these tools, pass them out and do the exercises. At no cost. Once you're on the platform, you get all these tools. Then we have multiple small group series, multiple sermon series. We've, We've curated about 10 to 20 generosity books pastors need to know about. So we've put what you need in one room have a weekly blog, a weekly vlog. I do the two, three minute video tip. We have a weekly podcast. All, none of that at any cost, at any cost. So we're leading with a transformation mindset because that's who Lifeway is and it's what we do. And we didn't learn any of this in seminary, right? We didn't right. learn how to how to raise money and, and, and you know, disciple people in their generosity. Right. I mean, we learned how to preach really well and exegete <laughs> a passage, but sometimes exegeting somebody's life situation Right. And helping them understand how generosity affects their relationship with Christ. I mean, man, yep. that's, it seems like it's such a powerful thing. How? Take us back. Where did this all start for you? Why is this? What's the breakthrough moment that says Todd McMitchin is a man, is a heart deep in generosity of the local church? Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break before we hear this breakthrough moment because I want to talk about Christmas. See, it's never too early to plan for an incredibly generous and hospitable holiday season. Most of us will have some sort of Christmas or Christmas Eve service, and the offering and the welcome are usually the least planned moments. We spend hours on service programming around sermons and worship and dramas and skits or videos or illustrations, but what if the most critical moments in disciple making are actually the least planned? You'll have a lot of guests So how will you welcome and engage people to grow as disciples at your church? Christmas is a celebration of God's generosity in giving His Son. 
how will you inspire a congregation of generous disciples? On December 5th, I'm teaming up with Kent Vincent, one of the generosity specialists on the Oxano team, and we are hosting a free webinar focused on planning for your most generous and welcoming Christmas services ever. We're gonna give you some practical ideas that can be executed for your Christmas Eve services this year. You don't want to miss this webinar. More information is online at oxano.com. Just select webinars underneath the content tab. You can also click the link in the show notes to register. So get a jump on the most overlooked part of your Christmas services by joining Kent Vincent and me on December 5th at 12 noon Eastern time for this free webinar. Again, you can reserve your spot at oxano.com under content, or you can click the link under the resources section of the show notes of the podcast. Now back to my ministry breakthrough. If I had to pick one moment, I really go back to when I was serving on staff in a local church and we had a hundred acre, uh, ended up being $60 million relocation project. And I was associate pastor, two young kids, stay-at-home mom. I was obviously extremely affluent, as I've just expressed to yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. It's not like you were stacking the paper up <laughs> right. in the corner, man. Right. So we're going through a capital campaign, and we're doing it ourselves. And I'm, I'm helping. Self-leading the church is That's self-leading right, the yeah, capital right. campaign. We weren't doing it using an outside yeah. company. Yeah. And I watched God do what only God could do. So as someone who had very little means, I remember sitting there and thinking, why even bother giving? because I'm not moving this multi-million dollar dial at all. And I felt very, very defeated. Yeah, you're saying that the, the cost of the project versus what you, even as a staff member who, who I, gets I was, it. Yeah, yeah, and I was trying to really live up. To, I yeah. just felt so, so defeated. Then when I saw what God did with my little and everybody else's little, and we moved in and we were debt-free a year later, I, I learned that God had a calculator and a way of doing things for the kingdom that I could not, mm. I could not measure and predict. And so from that point on, and that was in 2000, I have been about one thing, and that is helping pastors resource their vision for 20 years because I saw what God does when we lean his direction on generosity. And so my statement is God has a calculator that I don't own, but I I, I love the buttons. (laughs) You know what I mean? I love it. So I want to live my life in a place where he gets to push the best buttons on his calculator for the kingdom's sake. And so... That really, that experience was was transformative for me. Mm. What what's been as you walked alongside pastors for almost twenty years now? Um, what's been one of those moments where you've really seen a breakthrough in pastors? What's what's a shift in thinking? What's a what's a new perspective about generosity? Can right. you give us a couple of those moments yes. from a pastor perspective? Yes. Yeah, so over the last, it really came. Over the last probably five to seven years, I started showing up in churches needing to raise millions and millions and millions of dollars. And I knew that if they had practiced building a generous culture, they would be paying cash instead of being at the bottom of the mountain, they'd be on the top of the mountain. And when I saw that, and that pastors did not know, like we've not been trained, right? Did not know how to lead a cash flow, overflowing, generous system. They have plenty of resources coming in. They just didn't have the system to, to optimize those. When, when I saw that and I saw what it was like to start moving churches in that direction, and then I saw the confidence in that pastor raise, I thought, that's it. That's, yeah. that's, that's magic right there. 
any story jumping off? Yeah, I mean, so we personally came alongside of a church, and this, you know, it was in a difficult, difficult situation, really difficult. Like, imagine losing a million dollars annually in your budget. Like, just having to cut the budget a million dollars every year. Yep. Yeah. I mean, there's probably some pastor out there like I would love to struggle with that. <laughs> That's right. I'd love uh, to have that problem. But if you're used to <laughs> if 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 you're thinking we got to cut a million dollars out of yeah. our budget, that's a pretty drastic no matter how big you and are. To get perspective yeah. as a 25%. Yeah. Yeah. Cut 25%. Cut 25% out of your budget next year. Immediately. Yeah. Cuz the local right economy's the tanked. Yeah. You're losing people, they're moving out of the city cuz they have to go get jobs somewhere else and you're left to manage this. Yeah. And to lean into that and realizing that generosity actually affected everything from guest experience to evangelism, passion, to volunteerism, Mm -hmm. spirit. And in that very difficult situation, to see that whole thing turn around in a matter of 24 months so that the giving has got almost back. Yeah. But the church, you know, has, has begun to grow, increase in baptisms year over year the last two to three years the health that's come out of it. So you would have looked at that situation and any other time it would have been a, a mess you could have not recovered from. Yeah, You know what I mean? But when we leaned into generosity, not fundraising, it infused everything, like I said, from guest experiences to membership, to outreach, to volunteerism, which gave givers confidence, even in their very difficult time, they saw the church was making a difference in their city and they lived uber generously. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that you and I, when we've collaborated on that that combination of generosity and hospitality, mm-hmm. we say those two things really affect the whole church, right? You're, you're never going to, you yep. know, every first-time giver is a first-time guest. That's right. right? Every first-time guest is potentially a volunteer, uh, is potentially a, a small group member. I mean, so, you know, the way we handle those things, you know, is huge. And really, the early church that just looked like loving people, right? right. Loving the people we knew right? by being generous and taking care of, supporting everyone as they had a need as we read the New Testament, and also loving people we don't know, welcoming the stranger, being hospitable. Yep. So, um, so pastors will say often, I they're as, aspiring towards joy-filled generosity. Yeah. Right? Well, you can't turn joy on 30 seconds before the offering plate passes. Right, right. You got to have joy the minute they drive into the parking lot Mm. and create that culture from the parking lot through every door. And it doesn't matter whether it's a member or a guest. It's good for a member to see a smiling face and someone that loves because you're starting to create that. And how you talk about a guest from the stage in generous, gracious, loving ways. Yeah, thanks that for, for being them. our guest here. Thanks for taking a little bit of your time Look, and giving it. Yeah, yeah. You're growing a generous culture. There's a yeah. big tie between guest experience and generous culture. Yeah, yeah. Those those churches that really welcome people well seem to be some of those churches that are overflowing um, with generosity. Not that they have a lot of money just laying around to spend, but they're just when they when the Lord brings a need before them. Mm-hmm. They're able to take advantage of that. I, it strikes me that we're sitting here, you know, on the cusp of another election year. Mm-hmm. And if we watch the cycles of the economy and some of those things, election years can be tumultuous. Mm-hmm. You were in the game, you know, back in 2008, 2009, you know, another big election cycle. We kind of could see some things there. If you could go back then and speak to pastors prior to what happened in that financial? I know there's a lot of right. external things that are different financially, but there's right. a lot of social, cultural things 
that fear, you know, state some of those things. Is there anything that's jumping out to you right now as like this this heartburning message to say to pastors? Well, I think there are patterns that they could know real easily. Yeah. Like during election seasons, the stock market typically is going to go quiet or pull down a little bit because everyone's a little nervous because yeah. we don't know what's yeah. going to happen. And then if, depending on who is elected, and we saw it this last year, the when President Trump was elected, the economy took off. Yeah. And when that economy took off, the capital campaign business took off. Yeah. Right. So generosity does follow the economy in those ways. And so I think as a pastor, you just kind of know that those trends do kind of happen and you just you're you're mindful of them. Right. So yeah. if you keep thinking that we're just going to raise giving and spending in my budget every year after year after year, and you don't know there's some of those national patterns that happen, you're going to put yourself in pressure unduly. That seems to be default for a lot of people, though. It's like, oh, well, we just we got to go up. If we're healthy, then that means we're adding to the budget every year, adding to the budget every year, adding to the budget every year. Is that is that true, or is there another way to look at it? No, it is true that that's what we do. So another way to say this is we create financial pressure for ourselves unnecessarily. That's both in personal life and church <laughs> life, right? right? Yeah. We, for some yeah. reason, we yeah. like to create financial pressure, yeah. and we do that to ourselves. And it's completely unnecessary. So just think about this. For just Here's how it actually works out. When a church raises its budget 5% in advance, they start the fiscal year out. It's behind, but everybody is spending. So you reach the point of you having some pressure. So, Pastor, you have to say, all right, everyone needs to stop spending. But we have all these fixed expenses. So the only place we can stop is in the actual ministries we yeah. thought we were overfunding. So the very thing you thought you were doing, you're not doing. By raising your budget, you are locking down your ministries. And we don't realize that, but we do it every year after year after year. So we have some budget tools to help you avoid that. What's the better way? Just right offhand. The better way? Just budget a little margin in. So budget on a little less than what you took in the previous year. Well, wait, I thought we were supposed to add more to what we took in next year. That was kind of the growth model. And here's what happens. You actually do. You actually do. Because when you put in a little margin— Budgeting under. Budgeting under. I know from our conversations, you say 90% of what you took Minimum. in last year yep. Yep. should you be, can, we should have be churches your budget doing, for the next year. We have year. churches doing more than that. So if you budget a little less, let's just say you started at 98%, because 90 was, I'm going to budget at 98% of previous year's receipts. And let's just say your budget does grow, right? So really, you started at 98%, but let's say it grew 2%. So you got 4% margin the very first You're year. You're saying the giving was actually at 102%, and, yes. and you've got— Four percent margin. So imagine four percent free money. You're sitting there, and yeah. you're getting to say, "God, what can we do?" Instead yeah. of "God, what can't we do?" And the yeah. only difference is how you set up your budget. That's the only difference. Instead of making a hundred and five percent budget, you did ninety eight percent, and it changes the game for you. Mm. So you're not actually spending less. It's just a completely different way of thinking and feeling about it. I love that. I love that. When you look forward. In, in the landscape of church life or even in Lifeway Generosity, kind of what you guys do. And I'll give you whichever way you want to answer this question. If you look, is there something you're looking forward to, a, a big idea, a far-fetched dream you're pursuing, you know, on behalf of the church or as a part of Lifeway Generosity? Is there something on the next season that you're taking a risk for? Yeah, there's, there's really two things. First is a negative thing, and then I'll spin it positive. The first is um, there is a massive problem that pastors are unaware of. Total giving is flatlined or a little bit up, but the number of givers is on dramatic decline. 
So we are yeah. losing. We them. also see that in attendance, right? That's attendance right. is going down, but giving is staying That's the right. same. That's right. And, and it's major denominations us, yeah. are seeing it's not just yeah. us. So if the only measurement is how's the offering to budget every year and we're not understanding we are losing givers. And look, the baby boomer generation is 10 million larger than the, 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 the what, Gen X? Yeah. The right behind yeah. them. The, the slackers. Yeah. Right, right behind him. We're, we're, we are going to lose 10 million. You can't stop that from happening. You don't know it's You're happening. saying there's a cliff. It is an absolute measurable cliff that is not going to be avoided. That is a massive problem. And the church doesn't realize it now because the total dollar amount, our best givers are giving more every year. Right. There's less of them. They're, they're giving a little more every year. That's a problem. So the solution is, is really what we're leaning into next year here at LifeWay in 2020. It is the theme of what we call your best financial year ever. Look, I was on the road for 20 years. I'm telling you, there are generosity secrets. There absolutely 100% are. You get paid big bucks to know those things. I don't need to keep them anymore. I'm not a traveling consultant. I can like give those things away for free. And that's not rocket science. But when you spend 20 years only doing one thing, and you show yeah. up at church after church, you'll learn some stuff. And so we are going to lean in to a problem the church doesn't know that it has. And we're going to help them create, as many want to go on the journey, their best financial year ever. Can you give us a sneak peek of, of one of those secrets or one of those learnings that you're going you're gonna to give away to the church next year? So, you know, we're going to talk about should a pastor know how much someone gives or doesn't give? And how do we disciple a key donor? Those are pretty scary topics. Yeah. Am like, I should we know? Like, there's absolutes in that line is what most people are either absolutely not or absolutely yes. Absolutely. And yeah. here's the trick. It doesn't matter. You can actually grow a generous culture either direction you go. Yeah, yeah. But we use those oftentimes as reasons why we can't. That's not true. It doesn't yeah. matter. To me, personally, and I know generosity professionals are freaking out that I'm saying that, but it doesn't matter. You can grow a generous culture either way. But, but you know, other, other items, like there are actually a number of Bible-giving heroes in Scripture that are unbelievably inspiring stories. And so we're going to help you lean mm -hmm. into those great Bible-giving heroes to kind of widen your palate a little bit of, of the conversation that you can have. And so uh, we'll have all kinds of preaching and small group tools. We'll help you reform your budget. And I would just say the number one missing ingredient in budget process is a yearly goal. No one's doing that, right? You believe yeah, in it, right? Yeah. Oxano, the 1414, yeah, right? Yeah, set up. A, Having yeah. a yearly goal before you ever start planning your calendar and where your money's going to go is the single most forgotten step in budget planning process. Mm -hmm. So we're going to help them with those kinds of things. I love it. Well, it sounds like it's going to be an exciting year for you guys, um, and you guys are going to have a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens, and um, I know it's also, you know, as we talked about an election year, there's a lot of fun stuff that I think 2020 has upon us. So I'm looking forward to seeing what Lifeway Generosity is doing in that. Um, hey, before we go, let me ask you three questions. Okay. Ask every guest, um, what's one daily or regular habit you practice that keeps you close to the heart of God? All right, so... Um I get up every single day and I journal. Okay. Every single day. Give me grace. Not every single day, but it's my practice of journaling. Yeah. And I didn't always do it. I started journaling probably about seven or eight years yeah. ago because um, I wanted a more intimate relationship with the Father. I, I'm very, very digital. So yeah. I thought, you know what? I'm going to get out a pen and a piece of paper. I'm just going to start to write. 
and journaling holds me accountable that I do it. Mm-hmm. And it holds me accountable to what I say when I'm doing it. Because I can see, is my life mostly focused on me? Or sure. is it mostly focused on the prayers and needs of other people? And so personally journaling, as someone who didn't like it, yeah. it's become is, an unstoppable habit for me. Is there a format or, or pattern you follow in that? Or is it just blank page and go at it? Blank page and I write my prayer. I write mm-hmm. my, all I do is I write my morning prayer. I try mm-hmm. to read, I'll read scripture. I try to grab one scripture to take with me for the day. Then I write my prayer. And when you're looking at your prayer, you know if you're only praying for yourself or other <laughs> yeah, people yeah, really quickly. Yeah, yeah. But you also know what God's doing in your mm-hmm. life because you can see answers to those prayers mm-hmm. too. So no forms. Pick up a pen. Always start with, thank you, Father. Mm-hmm. I just thank him for something and move on from there. Mm-hmm. Has there been in a moment where you've looked back at some of that journaling and you've just kind of been like, oh, wow, yeah, I forgot about that. Transformative. Yeah. Like, because during this season, we had kids in college. Now we're empty nested. Kids are off. And to watch really God's prosperity over my family. I know that's probably another word that's freaking folks out. Yeah. However you want to measure God's favorable blessings over your life, to watch that actually happen Mm -hmm. as we prayed our kids through different stages and prayed our careers and our lives through different stages has been unbelievably affirming and encouraging. That's pretty cool. If you go back to, you know, there's always this like kind of segue, like that's a powerful (laughs) moment. We got to get to question two, all right? So don't want to walk on on over that. It's like the the pastor walking out after this beautiful worship moment. Like, all right, okay, let's get, you know, you're like, you just killed that moment. So I feel like I just killed (laughs) that moment for question number one. Question number two, though. Uh, if you go back to your first year of ministry and tell yourself one thing, what would it be? First year of ministry. First year of ministry. All right. So first year of ministry was ridiculously eye-opening, right? Because you yeah, have no idea yeah. what you're doing. It's very earth-shattering. I, knowing what I now know yeah. about ministry, I would have um, I would have said, lean, lean into like knowing God yeah. in an intimate way via prayer and fasting, Hmm. and do not let go of that. So traveling on the road for 20 years, there were some times I showed up in some places where you could physically feel God's hand upon a place. Yeah, yeah. There's great churches, showed up in lots of those. But then there's some moments when you walk in and you say, "Mm, something's different. This one's different, right? And it's not because the pastor was smarter. They were all trying to figure it out. I mean, none of that. It was the spirit. And there was one tie. I saw it happen four times. Four times in two decades, the senior pastor had an unbelievably close relationship with God Mm. via prayer and fasting, Mm. period. So I would say go all in. Um, Speaking of those 20 years of travel, do you have a favorite Valentine's Day weekend travel moment (laughs) where you were in a Roxana Navigator in a hotel on Valentine's Day? I have spent Valentine's with you in, what was it? Detroit, we Michigan, Detroit. ten below zero. It's technically twelve below zero. <laughs> it was zero ridiculously that cold yeah. that day. Yeah, we got scheduled <laughs> That's on right. a guest visit weekend, <laughs> right, by someone who we will not name, but we both worked for at the <laughs> That's time. Right, and he showed up as well. And so he, he was did. there too, <laughs> That's but right. he at the last minute brought his wife with him. That's right, Where to we beautiful did. Detroit. That's right? right, where and we so, did. <laughs> yeah, and so I remember we had we had dinner that evening. We were both staying in the same hotel, and we had dinner that evening. 
at the hotel. We didn't even go out to eat. We had dinner at the hotel. It was most. It was a Saturday night, most miserable Valentine's Day ever. But it was a lot of fun. We had good memories from that, so it's good. Hey, last question. Is there one book you uh, consistently recommend or give as a gift? Absolutely. And it's it's a book that's under the radar screen. Yeah. Every pastor needs it. It's a very small book. It's called The Genius of Generosity. Yeah. Author Chip Ingram. You can get it at Lifeway.com. The Genius of <sighs> nice Generosity. Plug. Well, you, you know, we have the resources for you. So here's the story. Chip was a brand new pastor, and it's a true story. He's invited by one of his leaders in, 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 in a major metropolitan area to come for lunch. And he takes him to the top floor restaurant, and he can order anything at it. So as a young man, you don't even know yeah, those kinds of deals yeah, exist, yeah, right? Yeah. And they're having lunch, and this layperson slides a checkbook across the table to him and says, look, I have a lot of resources, and I want to be generous, but I don't know anybody. You run into people all the time that have needs. I'm going to fill the checkbook up. You just go out and be generous, and we're going to meet once a month, and you're going to tell me the story of what the generosity is doing. And it is a wonderful book to hear how Chip grew as a pastor, mm. what he learned about how generosity works in a layperson, and it tackles that difficult, intimidating topic of how do I relate to a successful business person as a pastor? Yeah. It is a great little book. Every pastor needs it. He needs to walk his staff through it. Short. You could, you'll knock it out in a week. The Genius of Generosity. By Chip Ingram. By Chip Ingram. Great. Yep. Hey, where can we find all the LifeWay Generosity resources? Give us a little bit of a landing page for those. Yeah, where, the where easiest do... place, go to LifeWayGenerosity.com, and you'll be able to sign up for our newsletter, which will deliver all the free resources to you. You'll see our social media there. You can find me on social media, Todd McMitchin. And that's where you find the app, too? The app is in either the Android or uh, the, uh, the Apple Store, but you need to have a a credit card processing account, so you really need to contact us before you can use the app so okay. we can help you okay. with that. But yeah, go to lifewaygenerosity.com and you'll find everything you need. Todd McMission, thanks for sharing some breakthrough there. Looking forward to uh, seeing what God does in the next year. Fun as always. It's good times. Thank you, sir. Thank you for listening to My Ministry Breakthrough from the Oxano Podcast Network. You can head over to myministrybreakthrough.com to join the conversation and access our show notes including the books or other resources mentioned in this episode. If you enjoy hearing these stories of ministry breakthrough, we would be honored if you would subscribe, rate, and even leave a review on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. Thanks again for listening.